This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. We return from the depths of the bad man with a gun and a knife and a waistband. With the war with the devil and Shaytan. He wore a bad toupee and a spray tan. So high now, hoping that I land. On a tight stick, moving through Thailand. On the radio, heard a plane hijack. Government being that by the cook crack. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Lookout Landing podcast. I am managing editor of Lookout Landing, Kate Prusser. And I am joined, as always, by audio engineer and graphics wizard extraordinaire, Jose Rivera. Jose, how are you? I am good. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you uh, are you watching out your window to see the the trucks descending upon Arizona for spring training? Yeah, I am. Uh, I am waiting for them to get here. I I can't wait. And are you? Will you be attending any spring training this year? Do you think? Yeah, I, I hope to. Um, past couple of years, I haven't been able to get out to Peoria. It's like forty five minutes, probably like an hour, hour and a half with traffic. But uh, yeah, I definitely plan on getting out there this year. So. If anybody is there and wants to say what's up, let's do it. Yes, since I believe a good portion of Lookout Landing will be descending upon Peoria in these few weeks coming. Uh, Joining us tonight as well is Zach Sanders, former writer for Fangraphs, chief biz boss at LL, and uh, a frustrated cat lover who does not have a cat. So if you have a cat hanging out, Send it to Zach. Zach, how are you? I don't want people's reject cats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just extra cats. There are no reject cats. They are rejecting them in favor of the other cats. <laughs> I want the ones they want to keep. I would like that one. Would you go around and like Grinch style catnap all the cats from all the little who's? That sounds like a good way to get scratched. Oh man, that sounds <laughs> awful. It's good to have you with us, Zach. And we are also joined tonight. Why don't you do the introduction since uh, since he is your intern, technically, and therefore your problem? <laughs> don't I know it. <laughs> so we're also joined tonight by, pardon a potential mispronunciation, but Luke Monger, who is our uh, editorial intern and has been on the site already in the past couple weeks. Uh, he's going to be the strong, silent type today. I, I mean, you can say hi, Luke. It's okay. Hi, I'm Luke. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, guys. 
tell, tell the nice people a little bit about yourself, Luke. A little bit about myself? Oh, I mean, what is there to know? There's, uh, I'm a student You're... at UW. I'm a sophomore right now. I'm studying biz also, which is probably the only reason that Zach picked me. It is. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's pretty fun. Maybe we can talk about marketing together one day. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm a business student at UW. Um, just kind of living the dream. Yeah. I don't really know. I'm not very good about talking about myself. I'm actually not that good about talking about anything. Uh, you're a country music fan? Yes, I am. I am. Um, I went to I went to Watershed last year, and the Watershed lineup just came out a couple days ago. And now I'm considering spending another $300, but I don't want to. But Lee Bryce is going to be there, so I'm like, I kind of have to. But I'm not going to, I don't think. You should. I should? Yeah. Should I start a GoFundMe? Is that, or is that... No, just use some of that sweet, sweet intern money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're also a force out on the basketball court. Yeah, yeah. I played in an IMA basketball game yesterday. Uh, we're one in four on the year, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. Um, I had a, a season-high five points, which was pretty sweet. I, I hit a three. Nice. And then I, yeah, I high-fived a couple people after. It was pretty exciting. It's a big day for Luke. Yeah. All right. Well, we are happy to have you. Oh, no, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so for those of you who don't know, tonight we are talking about the, this is our AL West preview episode, and uh, Luke and Zach have put a ton of work into doing some AL West preview report card type things, and uh, we're going to play a fun game where Luke has to run down every season, every team's off season in 30 seconds or less. Um, so we'll do that. But before that, let's kick off the show with our opening segment. Three things you should know from the baseball world this week. Okay. First thing, uh, (laughs) not the day before we published last week's episode, uh, where we were rejoicing about Jesus Sucre returning to the fold. Jerry traded him away yesterday to Tampa Bay, <laughs> a.k.a. the Mariners South. I What did we come up with? Eight players on their 40-man who are ex-Mariners? Is that right? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Sucre, Miller, Lomo, uh, Farquhar, Farquhar uh, Kevin Gadea, the Rule 5 pick. Oh, yeah. Erasmo. Uh, and there are two more that I can't think of. So Nick Franklin. Nick Franklin. There's one. And Malik's. Well, are we counting Malik's? Oh, I mean, I, I guess we could. We probably, should. Yeah. Mariner legend Malik Smith. <laughs> Mariner legend Malik Smith. Right. Uh, so yeah, P- peace be with you, Jesus Sucre. We are sad at the site because he was, although not a very not a good baseball batter he's a pretty good defensive catcher and just an overall nice guy the pitching staff really seemed to enjoy so that's a sad thing uh who wants to cover the second thing any any ackley lovers among us oh that ain't me i know i'm like eh. no we should have had ethan on to do this send off to dustin ackley i was not around for a lot of the dustin ackley time so i never participated in like the build-up and the hype that i never experienced the dustin ackley hype but 
for some people who did and who still feel the residual effects, um, the Angels signed Dustin Ackley to a minor league de- deal this year, and uh, and some people have some complicated feelings about it. Realistically, I wish him all the best because that's a sad story, and he was kind of a victim of the, I think, poor player development and uh, just never really quite seemed to find his footing. So, best of luck to you, Dustin. He's not making that team. No, you don't yeah. think so? I mean, we'll talk about this later. We actually got a question about about Ackley, so we can delve into him a little more later. Um, and then the third thing we need to talk about is these Rob Manfred just did a bunch of whippets, I guess, and proposed, threw out a bunch of rule change proposals, uh, which range from, I think, like, the the sensible, like doing away with having to throw four balls for the intentional walk uh, to the, okay, maybe, which would be the um, raising of the strike zone to something I can only describe as banana pants, which is uh, starting extra innings games with a runner already on second base, which just sounds like some made up stuff. Uh, which they're gonna start rolling out in rookie ball. What are you guys? What are your guys' feelings on the proposed rule changes? Most of them are fine. That I think they're gonna try out the extra innings ones and realize it's probably not good. But it, it doesn't mean it's not worth a try. It is rookie ball. It's not. I mean, these games technically count, but not in any meaningful way. Yeah, and as I saw, I believe Kyle Brody, Brody, I don't know how to say his name, the driveline guy. Jose, do your driveline voice. Driveline! <laughs> the driveline bros. Uh, he was pro, he s- tweeted something to the effect that, like, if you are not in favor of that, you've probably never seen a rookie ball game because it's going to be pretty sloppy. So I don't have a problem with it at the lower levels, um, but oh boy, I think if you try to bring that change to MLB, people, people will well, people will finally really get passionate about baseball. I think there will be a lot of yelling about it. Yeah, I'm fine with it in rookie ball um, in the lower levels, but I just can't see that flying in MLB. That's just nah. I'm against it. Nah. No, thank you. Nah. Or as Noah Syndergaard tweeted, nope. Nope. <laughs> All caps. Nope. Oh, I love Noah Syndergaard. All right. So that uh, kind of wraps up what you need to know this week in baseball. Let's move on to uh, our divisional previews. So this is where Luke is going to take the stage. All right, Jose, do you have the buzzer ready to go? I've got it ready to go. All right, Luke, it's your turn to shine. 30 seconds. Recap the Astros offseason for us. All right. Well, the Astros, which is kind of a little bit of fun stuff here, brought in Nori Aoki, which was, I mean, that was a fun guy. I liked him. They also brought in Josh Reddick and Carlos Beltran. So, I mean, that's adding some bats to the outfield, not necessarily some defensive-oriented people. That's not too bad. They also brought in Charlie Morton to kind of bolster up the pitching staff a bit, and Brian McCann came in. Uh, to catch in place of Jason Castro, who is no longer with the team. Um, they're a pretty young team, and 
they're kind of tied up. Or, or they have a lot of young people kind of tied up. Oh, not a lot of money. So Luke, I was kind of expecting Luke. them to go out and do a little more than they did. I think Luke. that when <laughs> they're, they're playing him off, he just he won't get off the stage. I know. Wrap it up, B. It's like it's like uh, is it the some like Emmys or Grammys or whatever when they start playing the music? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, sorry, Luke. That right, I'll was go a, hide in the corner again. That was an epic fail, Luke. I am, I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm ashamed for you. I'm ashamed for your family. I'm ashamed we hired him. <laughs> this is really making us rethink. All right, so the Astros did a few things as Luke ran over for you in the off season. We still have three big questions to address about them. Uh, question number one. Are the Astros as good as projection systems say they are? I think they they pretty much are. Uh, yeah. Right now, projections have them about 90 wins. Uh, they won 84 last year, and that was with a pretty hefty late-season collapse of sorts. Uh, so th- they definitely have the that kind of huge potential to be a runaway division winner, like clearly lock down that spot. It just depends on how that balance turns out. Like, they... They signed some older guys, which would be a nice help for that kind of young team, but it also means you're bringing in guys who could be in the back half of their career. And then they still have those unproven guys. So Bregman's there. We don't know how he how good he is. He's going to be great. He was yeah. already pretty good last year, but he's untested. Uh, Ulyeski's there too. He's untested. And so we're we're kind of adding these different variables together and seeing how it goes. And they're simp- they're they're for the most part doing things the right way, and that's how they've gotten here. And this is the time for them to do it. But you never know how well it's actually going to turn out. I would say that there are, for all the talk about how scary and formidable the lineup are, is I agree that there are a few question marks. So like. Obviously, Altuve is going to be a pain. Correa is going to be a pain. Springer is going to be a pain. Um, I'm not particularly nervous about Nori Aoki. But I have big question marks next to Bregman, who is untested, as you said, next to Guriel. Uh, next to Reddick, who is being projected a little above. I think they stuck 50 points or so onto his slugging percentage. I don't know why he's magically going to slug 50 points higher than he did last year in whatever minute made um so that's a question mark mccann is an upgrade over castro but you know moderate so i I think there are question marks here yeah i uh if you asked me this question two weeks ago i probably would have said that they are going to run away with the division um today i think my my tune has changed a little bit um Kind of like what uh, what Zach said about the uh, the older guys that, that may be on the back end of their career. I uh, I love Carlos Beltran, um, but I mean he's what thirty nine years old. Uh, Brian McCann is thirty six, something like that. Um, I'm just not sure how how much those guys will be able to contribute. Um, I still think they're going to get about. I think the projections about right. I, I still think they're going to get about ninety wins. So, but uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some question marks there. McCann's only 32. You're trying to age him up there. Well, he looks like he's on the wrong side of 35. (laughs) Ouch. Uh, No, I think that's fair. Well, um, so the the rotation is scary-ish. Still has some question marks. 
Let's talk about, I think would be the second big question, how much of a problem for, let's talk about the rotation in general and how much of a problem rotation depth might be. Yeah, for most teams, the depth they have isn't bad. They they have seven guys when you consider they have uh, Musgrove and Davinsky sort of waiting in the wings. And they have Brad Peacock there who can sort of step in and at least throw some innings. And generally, that's fine. You got seven, eight guys, you're in good shape. But the problem is with them, you almost know you're going to need seven guys. Yeah. Charlie Morton is not going to pitch a full season. It's just not happening. And Lance McCullers has had some injury problems. And they're probably going to want to at least keep some of his innings down if they can. So they're going to need those seven guys. And that eighth guy becomes more important then because then he's the true backup. And so if anyone else gets hurt, then you're really in trouble. And then you're looking like maybe you're stretching out Michael Feliz again. And that's not really gone well in the past. He's sort of settled into a bullpen role. But, but so they, they have some arms. But the problem is, is if there's that kind of cascade effect, there is just no one else there to, to step in. And that is also depending not just on none of these guys getting injured, but... Keuchel, McCullers, and McHugh all had kind of uneven, would that be fair to say, uneven seasons last year? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you're depending on them not only to be healthy, but also for all three of those guys to bounce back and be effective and be effective for a whole year, which is a lot. That's a lot to ask. And uh, one thing I was going to ask, uh, Zach might might know this a little bit better, uh, Francis Mart- Martes, mm-hmm. um, do you think he ended up contributing this year for them? I think he may be forced to. I don't think that's what they want at all. Yeah, um, that's kind of what I was thinking too. He's he's probably going to start the year in AAA. Um, I know they brought him to big league camp, so that's a good sign. But he's sort of done all he used to do at AA. But I mean, for a guy with his sort of stuff and his pedigree, the results have been good, but they're still not great. Like you'd want to see a guy just flat out dominate a level, and for the most part, he hasn't. He just hasn't done that yet. But that's just it. He's only twenty. Yeah, and so he's he's very much a prospect, and so maybe he does take a nice step forward this year after after stepping up to AAA and getting a chance at training camp, and maybe he is ready. But that's asking a lot from him, for sure. Something else that uh, we should bring up when we're talking about the rotation um, is the strength of the Astros bullpen, which was one of the best in the majors last year. I think they were worth almost eight F war in 16. And of that group, the only person who has departed is Pat Neshek. So they should still have a pretty formidable bullpen. So all those starters really have to do is carry things into the fifth or sixth inning. Right. And then let the bullpen take over. Exactly. They they have kind of that extra depth, and maybe that's why they didn't go out and make that big move for a starting pitcher like we'd sort of expect a team to at, at their level because they know they seem to get to that point and hand it to the pen and call it a day. Well, that kind of ties into one of our listener questions. Uh, Ezekiel Pearson at, at Pearson Bro asked, did the Astros make a mistake in not acquiring Jose Quintana? So with what I just said being entirely true, I also think the answer to that question is yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the time for them to make that push. And bringing in Charlie Morton as your sort of Doug Fister replacement is fine. 
but it, it doesn't kind of make you a better team than you were before. It just limits the downside. And and so as, as good as those guys are, right, Lance McCullers is a solid starter, got good potential. McHugh, decent starter. Keiko was great two years ago. But even with how great he was, he's not one of those guys that was, in a way, overwhelming to hitters. He, he was certainly almost dominating them, but it's never a guy you were afraid to face. And that was sort of always the issue, right? That this eventually could happen and he could get a little worse. And all of a sudden, he's a, he's a still a very good starter, but he's not great anymore. And so, while Quintana is kind of in that same mold, it's also that difference of replacing a guy like, right now, in a, in a playoff series, you're starting Mike Fears, number four. Uh, and so, making that replacement is sort of the big thing. And while they're kind of set up nicely now for the regular season and putting their starting five together, that went a bit of big move to put them over the top should they get to the postseason yeah i think if they were to if they pulled off a trade for Quintana, i think that would be a wrap like that's the vision is there's no question well let's all thank the flying spaghetti monster in the sky that they did not i also though that would have pretty well devastated their farm system right and because i know that they there was rumblings of a Quintana trade but i think the price was just too high yeah, the White Sox know what they have in him and that he's on a cheap contract. And so they're not just going to give him away. Uh, they, I was a little surprised they didn't after trading sale. But it's just, at that point, they don't want to completely just blow it up if they don't have to in Chicago. And so that was why they're asking so much. And, and maybe Houston's right not to kind of blow it all up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because they have made those deals in the past, right? The the Carlos Gomez trade mm, yeah. sort of was the first step in that. The Ken Giles trade took a lot out of that system. And so they still have some depth there, but a lot of that depth is getting older and getting ready to graduate in some cases. Or the other guys they have are a little younger. And sort of in, so there's not the in-between guy that's kind of the perfect guy for them to move that has the right mix of value. And, and so it, it was a tough decision for them, and, and maybe – History will play out in their favor, but I don't think it was the right decision. Mm. Well, our final big question about the Astros. Um, on a team that consistently jabs thorns into the Mariners' sides, which Astro will be the thorniest? Whose name are we going to be cursing this year? It, it's a it's a kind of a wimpy pick because it's too obvious, but it's all too bad. Yeah. yeah, it's got to be Altuve, right? I mean, it's always Altuve. So always what? What Altuve. about the non-Altuve? Division? Yes, non-Altuve <laughs> division. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Marwin Gonzalez. Oh my god, he's always so annoying. I mean, I, I mean, I guess Bregman. I, I, I was thinking about him too. He could, uh, he could be one of those players. I think, I think it's gonna be Nori Aoki. No, oh my god, are you serious? Because every good thing he does for them is just going to kill us. Yeah, it's a good point. On a personal level, I feel like uh, Guriel might be my... Because I love me a Cuban. And <laughs> one of my frustrations with the Mariners <laughs> is how they've been inactive on the international trade market. Fairly inactive. And so I just feel like that would that would really like just specifically be designed to grind my gears if he was awesome. Do you want to pipe in here, Luke? Or 
just in your corner of shame. Zach kind of stole it. I was going to say it would be hilarious if it was Nori Aoki. I don't have a whole lot to add, though. Yeah, I'd say it would be funny if it was Aoki, like Zach said, just because it would be such a big bummer, or it would just be, like, that much more everything that he did. It would just feel that much. It would just be an added emphasis to it, just because he was well, with that's, us last that, year. Well, that, that's also, like, the uh, the typical thing to happen to Mariners. Uh, the player they had wasn't that good. Goes to a different team, kills us. Like Bel- Adrian Beltre, right, with Texas. Yeah. I mean, he can- And he was fine here, but then he goes to the- – Texas and is superb and Boston. He was with Boston before too. Never mind. Yeah, I was just looking at that uh, one one year with Boston. They always get better when they leave. Well, speaking of Beltre, that's a nice transition to the next AL West team we're going to talk about, the Texas Rangers. So we'll take a little break and then we'll come back and talk about the Rangers. talking about the Texas Rangers and Luke is back to do his 30 second recap which will hopefully go better than the Astros one which was honestly just I was embarrassed for you so all right well I'm glad you were embarrassed because I wasn't at all (laughs) that's a good way to live your life Luke exactly all right set the timer ready set go all right Ian Desmond is gone so now Carlos Gomez who's there for the last last part of last year uh, is going to kind of take his spot as kind of the older guy who's going to tear it up. He, I think he hit, had a 9.05 OPS in the second half of the year for Texas, so that was pretty sweet. They also just brought Napoli in to play first base, which figured out an issue there. I was kind of like, why haven't they addressed that yet? They also brought in Andrew Kashner and Tyson Ross to kind of bolster their pitching staff a little bit. They allowed the 10th most runs in baseball last year, so they went and kind of addressed that action right there too. So that's kind of their little post. That was like 27. That was not bad. That was not bad. Especially because I spent half of it talking about Carlos Gomez, which wasn't even an offseason move. (laughs) No, it wasn't. What a weird choice for you to make. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So, three big questions about the Rangers, then. Uh, You mentioned Tyson Ross. Let's, uh, how many innings does Tyson Ross pitch for the Rangers? How much better does he make their staff? As a member of the Rangers, like, in the minors and in the majors, he'll probably pitch 50 to 60 innings just because he's got to do a lot of rehab work. But I don't see him getting more than, like, four starts in the majors this year. Yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing. I don't think he's going to pitch a whole lot this year, too. It, it's too much of an injury to come back from. When's he slated to, like, make his return? No one you knows. Know when the ETA yeah. is? <laughs> well, no. see, yeah, that's the thing with um, the – Thoracic outlet Thoracic outlet. Thoracic, thank you. It sounds like a dinosaur. That's how I have to remember it. The thoracic period. Um, Nobody knows what the timetable is going to be. And Ross went to the Rangers specifically because their medical staff has uh, experience with dealing with this. So hopefully, but because it's such a rare injury and there have been only a few players who have been able to bounce back from it who haven't just retired 
we really don't have any kind of an idea. Like I've seen everything from, oh yeah, he'll be ready to start pitching in April to like, no, he would maybe only be a postseason option for them to like, no, he could be back after the All-Star break. Like everyone's just kind of talking out of their butts at this point though, as far as I can tell. So hard to predict Tyson Ross and how many innings he pitches for the Rangers. Um, but definitely if they're making a late season push, that could be troubling. And if Ross has rebounded, but still a huge question mark. Um, so the next question we have, how concerned are you with the Rangers defense? They had, uh, they lost Moreland from first base who last season, their infield made 15 errors with Moreland, which is an average of one for every 72 innings. So not great, not bad. Um, but with other first basemen, they made one error every 45 innings about, um, and a lot of that coming from Beltre obviously is pretty solid, but Andrews and Odor maybe have some tendencies to throw the ball wildly. So are we worried at all about them? Def defensively, they have not made any upgrades. Napoli is not a defensive upgrade at first base over Moreland. Um, are we worried about the defense? Uh, personally, if I were them, I wouldn't be. Uh, I think part of that is having... Jonathan Lucroy now behind the plate is a big overall upgrade. Mm -hmm. Having him for a full season, but as much as you can cite the errors and all that, last year the advanced metrics for defense had them as average to slightly above average. They were a pretty solid defensive team. And, and, and while they didn't make any upgrades there, that first base move could help or hurt, most likely hurt, but and it all depends on what you thought about Ian Desmond in center, too. That was a, a one-year thing, and now they have a guy that's more experienced in it with Carlos Gomez, and that certainly helps out as well, having him as the veteran there to help, especially when it comes to guiding a guy like Nomar Mazzaro, mm. of how to play off that guy in the center. And maybe that makes an impact that we don't see yet. And, and so that it's unclear, but I, I'm frankly not worried about their defense. I think their defense is fine. Well... Let's uh, move on to the third big question surrounding the Rangers. Will they win as many one-run games as they did last year? Heck no. 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 I mean, that was like some strange voodoo magic, right? What was their uh, run differential again? Wasn't it like nine for the entire uh, season? It was eight. Eight. Oh, my God. <laughs> and in comparison, the Mariners were plus 61. That's insane. By winning nine less games, so yeah, the Rangers had some had some luck. Baseball, you difficult mistress. Uh, so I mean, and I very much enjoy Levi Weaver, who is a, a W fan columnist, who is nice enough to come to LL and write our view from the Rangers fans' point of view. He kind of argued that, well, it was luck, but they also had some bad luck with the bullpen, and so it really all evens out. I'm not sure. I don't buy that logic. I did not buy that logic. Sorry, Levi. Uh, I think they were in incredibly lucky, and I don't think it evened out and was a measure of their true talent. They 
which we kind of saw when they went and got curb stomped by the Blue Jays, right? Mm-hmm. They just could not hang with them at all. Yeah, I, I don't... This isn't a team with a bullpen that makes you think, yeah, this team should be just dominating one-run games. Mm-hmm. It, it's just not. They, their bullpen is fine. That's the best way I can describe it. It's a it little a, less fine without Diekman, right? Who, right. As somebody who has family members who suffer colon problems, I sort of love that he's, you know, taking pictures on social media with his colostomy bag and, like, really kind of destigmatizing that. Hashtagging no colon, still rolling. Uh, so I'm I'm definitely rooting for Deekman on a personal level, but it it hurts them somewhat. And I think Keone Kila is exciting, but also kind of unpredictable. I have some questions about their bullpen for sure. Um, so our listener question we have: Luke Knapp asks, Will James Jones, speaking of the bullpen, formidable lefty reliever, strike out a Mariner in 2017? Uh, I'd bet not. Yeah, I'm going to have to say no on that one. No. I mean, didn't he have to have, like, surgery, too? Did he have, like, a... I, I know he got injured, like, shortly after they moved him to, well, I guess back to pitcher, because I guess he was a pitcher in high school or something like that. But I know once the Rangers made the move, he in, ended up injuring himself pretty quick. And uh, I think that was it. <laughs> oh, um, apparently he had Tommy John surgery. Oh, yeah, geez. that's what I thought. He's not striking out of manor this year. I feel yeah, pretty confident. <laughs> All right. Well, that pretty much sums up the Rangers. So we will take another brief break. And when we come back, we will talk about the Angels. Cue the music out the driveway. Slow summer on a Friday. Here we go again. Wild in the wind. Mama knows she's going to be late. Hit the party just to watch her dance Good to go when she grabs your hand Like a shot from a gun It's a dead run The first leg on the getaway plan You burn rubber when you smoke them tires Days gone and that's on And we're back Next up, we move to uh, the California teams And we're going to talk about the Angels Alright, Luke are you ready? Never been more ready for anything in my life. All right, ready, set, go. All right, so the Angels made some additions in the outfield. They brought in Cameron Mabin and Ben Revere, so their outfield is now very athletic and very exciting. Danny Espinoza is going to play at second base instead of Johnny Giavatella. Um, Espinoza hit a lot of dingers last year, but he also struck out a ton, which is interesting. Um, they lost Jared Weaver and C.J. Wilson because they're both old, and they brought in Jesse Chavez. We didn't start a game last year, but uh, he made 47 starts for Oakland between 2014 and 2015 and was solid while doing so. So that, that kind of sums up their offseason. I think Zach gave him a B class, so I'll give him that grade too. Ooh, this time you actually got the letter grades in. But, I know. But forgot Valbuena. Oh, oh Luis Valbuena. That's right. Oh, oh that's going to take your score Probably down. best we don't talk about him. Uh I don't like talking about Luis Valbuena. There we go. That's the spirit. All right. So three big questions about the Angels. Um, and I think the first thing and the thing that is weighing heavily upon a lot of LL members' minds, why do projection systems like them so much? It depends by like them so much. Like, what does that mean? That, 
the ones I look at have them in the low to mid 80s and that seems entirely fair 84 84 yeah 84 seems entirely reasonable for this team oh as much as think of it as trout and no one else that's just no longer the case yeah well this is a question from one of our readers Derry mcdonald does fangraph's 84 win projection pass the laugh test for you did they clone mike trout to gain those 10 wins (laughs) (laughs) no i think it it is all very reasonable and there is a there is reason to be somewhat worried about this team especially after they got valbuena that that was huge because it takes a burden off Pools if he's hurt. It allows CJ Crone to be more of a supplemental guy, a platoon back off the bench. You know, Espinoza, he's not going to hit like he did last year. It's just not going to happen. But he plays a solid a solid second base, and mm-hmm. he gives him something that Givatello really didn't. And, and like this upgrading left field, left field was a black hole for them last year. They, they got yeah. nothing out of it. It's all of a sudden to have two real MLB players there is a huge upgrade, just from upgrading from nothing. And you can question the rotation all you want, but it wasn't any better last year. Well, the rotation was amazingly hurt last year. Is the, the thing. I mean, they were just completely snake bitten by injuries, right? They Houston Street went down, and uh, then his replacement Bedrosian went down. And they lost, you know, they lost Shoemaker in that kind of freak accident. They lost, uh, who who else am I forgetting? They had Skaggs and Heaney. Skaggs, Heaney. Was Garrett Richards? Garrett yep. Richards? Yep. So, I mean, they were, they got Texas's rotation luck with the injuries last year, I think. Uh, that cloud passed over. They forgot to put the blood on their doors. (laughs) (laughs) They went for them instead. Um, So that kind of ties into one of our listener questions from Pacific Northwest Vandal. I am really worried about the Angels. Why is this unfounded? We are seeing that it's maybe founded. It is entirely founded. This, as much as it is not fun to say, this Angels team is as good as the Mariners. I mean, they've built very similarly to the Mariners, right? Like, uh, no huge, splashy off-season moves, although obviously not the volume of trades Jerry has made, but building a lot of defensive ability, building a, a strong defensive outfield that they didn't have before, and upgrading a few positions that were black holes for them. It's a very similar path to what the Mariners have done in their offseason. Yeah, and, and for the most part, these are two teams that are going to have to take that path over the next two to three years. They both have players locked up to big deals that aren't going anywhere, especially some that are aging. They both kind of need to compete because they can't stomach that rebuild. But they also... Don't have the either don't have the resources in the Angels' case. I mean, they have no one in their farm system, or in our case, aren't willing to spend what resources you do have to sort of make a push for now. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to be doing this dance with them probably next year, and maybe even the year after that. It's yep. not going to be a one-time thing. Um, so is one Mike Trout worth one Nelson Cruz, Kyle Seager, and Robinson Cano put together? 
<laughs> the combo is a little <laughs> better than that, but it's it's not far off, and that's their big advantage. Um, Trout was great last year. I mean, I feel like we say this every year. I feel like we cannot possibly appreciate how lucky we are to live in a time where we get to see Mike Trout play baseball. Like, we will be telling people about this, telling our grandchildren or, you know, whatever children we can talk to on the street <laughs> if we don't have our own <laughs> issue. <laughs> I'm not directing that at you, Zach, at all. Um, oh. <laughs> but, I mean, he's a generational player. Is he going to be better next year? No, but he'll be just as good. It, seems right. It is, it's hard to explain or even come up with an idea of how he'd get better in a reasonable sense. The only thing that could even come close to that is a Barry Bond steroid era season. That's it. Where you're literally getting on base 50% of the time because you're getting intentionally walked every other at bat. Mm -hmm. like, that's the only thing Trot can really do at this point to become better than he is now. It, and so you look at a traditional aging curve or whatever, he's not going to have it. He, he's at the kind of the, the peak you can be. And so the, it's all about just longevity now. How long can he keep doing this before that body breaks down? Yeah, it's, and that's something I, I was I, I was just thinking about too because he's still only 25. Yeah. I mean, when, when the season starts, he's going to still be 25. <laughs> that's yeah. fun. So I oh, think this fun. is the, the kind of level that he's playing at. I think he's going to maintain it for years and years. I mean, barring any kind of major injury. Um, but this, this trout train ain't stopping. It's going to keep going and going as long as it can. Aren't we so lucky to get to play against him? Um, all right. So my third big question about the angels is Garrett Richards opted to go for stem cell treatment versus Tommy John um, which would have knocked him out, obviously, for the full year. How risky is this? Uh, is this going to come back and bite the Angels, do you think? Well, I mean, in this political climate, stem cells is not something you want to do. <laughs> no <laughs> politics! Hashtag no politics. No politics. We're going to have to no. cut but... that out, Zach, you jerk. <laughs> uh, I'm not a doctor. I'll make that clear. <laughs> really? Wait, you're not? I don't even play one on TV. We've been paying you like one, so I don't understand. I get paid I... like a medical student. Uh, <laughs> and so from what I've read and from what I understand, in a way, he is the guinea pig here. They, it's very much unclear if this is a true replacement for Tommy Joe. They're hoping it is, and... The idea is that it takes a essentially a 12-month recovery into something more like 12 weeks. And, and that's wow. incredible. The, he was cleared to start throwing before last season even ended. Uh, they didn't really they didn't ramp him up like that simply because they didn't need to. They had nothing to play for at that point. And so the question then becomes, if you're Garrett Richards, or maybe the Angels have a say in this too, is this a risk worth taking and saying, instead of essentially being out, say, to the All-Star break this year, which is probably what would have happened if he had surgery last season, would you rather take the chance that 
you can come back and be ready for about the start of the year, probably, is what they're hoping. No one knows yet, but they're saying it'll be ready for the start of the year. And then take the risk that this is all going to fail, and within a couple months, you're going to need surgery again. And if, and if you're them, the Angels, at least, uh, Richard's, maybe, he has his own motives, of course, but the Angels want to capitalize on the here and now. Another year older for Pujols is not good. Another year older for a guy maybe like Cole Calhoun, not good. You know, you get more roster turnover. If, if you think now is the time that you'd want to push that player to be ready now and try something. And so the question is, is it who made the decision here and what was the motive? We can't answer that. So, so it just becomes of what's the reward worth. And that's, that's exactly actually what I was going to bring up um, in terms of, you know, this is a, a win now window for them. Um, if this doesn't work out for them, um, I mean, that starting rotation takes a pretty big hit. Um, do you think they have a depth to make up for that if this does not work out for them? They have they have practically no starting pitching depth. Yeah, no. it would be brutal if he were if this did not work out. So that's that's a, that's a curious question, you know, if how much of a say the organization had when he, or maybe maybe the team doctors brought this up to them when this was an option. Um, my initial thought would probably be like, yeah, I, I don't know about that right now, um, but it's uh, it's an interesting scenario. Um, if it works out, great. If it doesn't, then that's that's really going to hurt them, I think. Yeah, and this is one of those rare things where it's a storyline that no one will be talking about. It's not all that interesting in the media, even though we are the media, to be fair. (laughs) Um, Some of us are media celebrities. But Zach is talking about himself, to be clear there. (laughs) I'm important. Um, This is going to have an impact across all of baseball, whether this works or not. And you won't you won't hear it talked about. No one's going to bring it up that this is something to keep an eye on. But it is because if this works, then all of a sudden we have a revolutionary possibility yeah. to deal with elbow injuries. Well, we will be keeping an eye on it at LL for you, the listener. All right, one more question um, from Chris Boli at Avocado Roller. What's the plan for Ackley? Do they see him as a utility guy? Will he be allowed to smile around Mike Sosha? Is anyone allowed to smile around Mike Sosha? I mean, the man ripped down Trout's basketball hoop. Like, if you're going up against Mike Trout and you're like, no fun for you, Trout. I, yeah, poor Ackley. Going from not being allowed to have his beard to not being allowed to smile. Was this asked by someone with the name Avocado? Avocado Roller is his handle. I would equate that to Dustin Ackley. Both are bad. (laughs) Oh. I find avocados to be delicious and Dustin Ackley to be a nice southern boy who had the really unfortunate walk-up song, Fortunate Son. Uh, Such irony, looking back on that. Um, That's a country song, by the way. Luke? I don't think that's a country song. It is. I have a hard time agreeing with that. I defer to Luke here. But technically Luke has to defer to me. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are, uh, we are going to take a break here and uh, I'm going to have an HR chat with Zach. 
And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the fearsome Oakland Athletics. Just one team left to cover in our AL West preview, and it is the Oakland Athletics. All right, Luke, are you ready? Yeah, this time I won't forget people, hopefully. Yeah, don't forget any major signings. All right, ready? Three, two, one, go. All right, so Oakland made their outfield better by bringing in Matt Joyce and Rajai Davis. They kind of had a hole in the outfield because they got rid of Valencia, who ended up kind of playing every day in the outfield towards the end of the year for them. Uh, and they got Paul Blackburn for that. And more to their uh, pitching staff, they brought in Santiago Casilla, who's a pretty old reliever, but he's solid. Uh, in their infield, they brought in Trevor Plouffe and Adam Rosales. Plouffe will play third base. He hit 13 dingers. Or no, Rosales hit 13 dingers last year. Uh, and he'll be a nice kind of utility guy while Plouffe will play third, and that'll allow Healy to play DH, and then Yonder Alonso will play at first. That was, like, way over 30 seconds. No, it wasn't. That was it like... was so far over 30 seconds. I, g- I gave him about five more seconds. Three big questions about the A's. Um, there's nothing fun about the A's, really, except Ryan Healy, who is pretty fun. Um, but is he the real deal? He's somewhat of the real deal. The A's fans mostly jokingly are talking about MVP, but he's not that kind of guy. He's not going to be a star. I don't think he's even going to be an all-star. He can hit for power. That's evident. He can hit for some batting average, too. Not bad at that. But he's just not that complete offensive threat. He doesn't have that model of being able to simply draw a walk when he needs to. He's not going to do that. He's going to swing freely. Um, he, quite frankly, is not a third baseman. He will, and that was why kind of that move for Trevor Plouffe made so much sense for them this offseason. It allows them to move Plea over to first or put him at DH every day. Let him focus on hitting mostly. Uh, he'd be a lot more valuable if he could, if he could hold down at third at all. But he just can't. And, and so that kind of takes away whatever value he has. Um, he's got time to develop. But at this point, he looks like he's kind of a slightly better version of, of Mark Trumbo. Oh, wow. That's an interesting comp. I mean, huh. he slugged a 524 last year. So that's that's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, and he did hit for some average. But... That uh, that that walk rate is really concerning. It's it was four point two percent last year, and you could say okay, small sample size, but he never really hit. I mean, that was his rate at a ball, four point seven, five point five. He didn't hit double digits until double A in one hundred sixty four plate appearances. So I think you're right. He's a free swinger. And his strikeouts have steadily climbed. 
as he's gone along. But, you know, that power is just, that power is very real. 13 home runs last year. And this kind of ties into a question that we got from Elias Hyam, who asked us, how many home runs will Ryan Healy hit against the M's this year? Predictions? Um, I think 15 seems safe. Well, no, I mean... (laughs) Against the Mariners? (laughs) He hit... Oh, no, not 15. Well, I don't know. In like a whole year, he hit 13. It felt like all 13 of those came against us. I'm thinking like five or six, probably. Five yeah, or six. Guess, I was going to say seven. Yeah. Against us? Sure. Over a whole year, though. Yeah. So that's like how many <laughs> games? How many games will we play against the Athletics? Like 20? 24? Yeah, I could see him hitting like... I could see... Not 15, but okay. Maybe like 10. I think it's double digits. Wow. I think it's double digits. I think okay. he's just going to wallop the ball. And we have so many. I think he's going to punish poor Drew Smiley. And uh, yeah, I don't know. that. The power is the one thing he has. And we have a bunch of pitchers who love to live in the zone now. So I don't know. Luke, what do you think? I jokingly kind of texted you guys his season total plus five. Just because it's fun to have guys on different teams who it seems like hit every single one of their homers. Against us. Yeah. <laughs> you no, I mean, I can see him. I don't know. I mean, if you think if he plays about an eighth of his games against Seattle and we're particularly unlucky, he hits about a quarter of his dingers against us, maybe like seven or eight. I don't know. There's absolutely, I mean, like you said, people like to live in the zone on this team. Um, What's nice? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, seven. I'll go seven. That's my final answer. It sounds like a good one. I'm going to stick at double digits, 10 or 11, something like that. Maybe this will have to go into some uh, lookout landing over-unders before the season starts. Maybe this will mm. That could be fun. Yeah, let's do that. Um, all right, so let's return to the A's and talk about their rotation, um, which, again, is not very fun. Features, like, one fun pitcher who was not fun last year. Is this the end of the Sunny Gray era? If he is returning close to form in the first three months of the year, he will be traded by the by the trade deadline. I can see that. They, yeah. they need to commit to more of a full retooling than they are right now. They're, they're holding out some weird grain of hope that this is a wild card contender. It's just not. There, There's nothing behind Gray in that rotation. There's very little scary implements of that of that lineup. So they, they need to be able to move a guy like Gray, someone like Steven Voigt, maybe a couple of their relievers to, to get some value and recoup what they gave up a couple of seasons ago when they went for it and, and kind of failed. Mm-hmm. And they brought in Zobrist, they brought in Shark, they brought in Hamill. It, it just didn't work, and they gave up a lot to do it. And they gave up a lot from a team that didn't have a lot to do with. And, and so it's, it, this is their chance to sort of do that full retooling, reset the clock a bit. I don't think they want to do that, but at some point they will face reality one way or another. Yeah, I think two guys on their rotation that – kind of interesting but I, I don't think they're going to be a 
top uh, top of the rotation type of players are uh, Manea and Cotton. Yeah, um, people are pretty excited about Cotton specifically. Uh, I think he's interesting. Um, I don't know if he's higher than a three um, in the rotation. That big but... deal, though. Some interesting names, but I agree with Zach. I think uh, I think Gray could get moved if he's uh, close to what he was in previous years. Because I'm a big fan of his. I hope uh, I hope he returns to form. I see Mene and uh, and Cotton being really interesting. Although Cotton, we we knocked Cotton around pretty well. Yeah, but I think that was only like his second or third start, something like that, when we first faced him. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Small sample size, I guess. A little bit of a welcome to the bigs moment um yeah but the question he never was a top prospect cotton he just yeah much better results you think because he's a great changeup. and so that doesn't necessarily translate as well to the big leagues we've seen that especially mm-hmm. if you don't have that pitch to get righties out if he doesn't develop a little bit of a slider or a cutter which it's definitely hard to work on developing anything when you are under that pressure of being in the majors maybe he was rushed a little possible certainly possible um so related to that question will the bullpen be given enough leads to hold because the bullpen for the a's is not a tire fire that might be the one part of the team that's not a tire fire <laughs> yeah the not the projections don't love their bullpen uh but but i do i i think it's i think it's really talented a good mix of young arms and, and veterans who've been there before and they're just not going to have enough of a chance uh, unless things like gray returns to form and a and cotton are both very good maybe graveman isn't just awful they have a chance to then get games that lead innings and kind of work their way through them but it, it's just not going to get to that point and so those guys are going to become more trade bait than anything else this oh. year instead of more contributors for Oakland. Why did we leave Oakland to talk about until last? This is a major bummer. Well, in theory, it's a good thing for us. Right. Uh, they've they've kind of been a thorn in our side for years, so this is this is fine. Oh, don't, oh, they'll still win the season series against us. Oh, don't say that. Because <laughs> you're, you're probably right. <laughs> Alright, well, on that note, um, I think we have one more question about the Mariners. So we're going to sum up the Mariners season. And Luke, you're going to do that in 30 seconds. Are you ready? Uh, I was, wait, I wasn't informed that <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah. doing this. <laughs> Pop quiz, hot shot. Yep. <laughs> wait, what is, wait, re- restate the question, please. You're going to sum up the Mariners offseason in 30 seconds. Oh ready? my goodness. Okay. Um, wait, so I'm going right now? Uh, yeah. Yep, Whenever yep. you're ready. It's hard to sum something up in 30 seconds. No, that was just- okay, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're live. We, we have to go. Ready, set, go. Wow. Well, the Mariners did a lot. Uh, a couple cool things they did. They brought on Drew Smiley, which made me really happy. And my roommate and I were freaking out about that for a while. Uh, John Segura trade that also brought in Mitch Hanniger. Jeff Sullivan had a sweet article about that that I read multiple times about how good Mitch Hanniger actually is, which was a lot of fun. Carlos Ruiz comes in to back up Zanino which is also fun. The Mariners get Giovanni Gallardo for Seth Smith. Uh, your guys' article said that we canceled Father's Day after that, which was really funny also. I wasn't with you guys yet, but that was fun. Um, and I'm sure I'm blanking on a few other moves that were also exciting. Well. Oh, oh, Dyson. Dyson, come on. Oh, come on, oh. Munger. 
Um, sorry, that was a little bit of rookie hazing. Oh, it's all good. Um, so one of the questions, well, we got one question about the Mariners from Brian Mo 87 at Brian Mo 87. We all know about big changes in the off season. What are some smaller changes to watch for in 2017? So Luke kind of hit the big moves, but what are, what are the things that might not have been talked about as much things that didn't get a lot of, haven't gotten a ton of attention. We haven't made little moves. The one that you could call out for someone who's going to make the team is someone like a Taylor Motter. That's that's kind of it. But nothing else we've done has been little. Has it's been, been quite, well no? publicized. And to address like pretty big holes, right? You know, with the smiley, the epic smiley trade, the Giovanni Gallardo trade. The, you know, these were big things, the blockbuster that went down on Thanksgiving, you know, a lot of drama in those. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the biggest little thing is just, it's going to be starting a season without Blake Park. Oh, <laughs> this is uh, Zach's particular little hobby horse. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah. Um, I would say that like, maybe one of the things that isn't going that isn't getting talked about is the rise of Andrew Moore. Obviously, I'm talking about it. You had to get it in this episode, <laughs> didn't you? You just had to. But no, seriously, I was just listening to Greg Johns's uh, podcast today. The Mariners, what I forget what it's called. The, yeah, the little like Mariners. ten minute. I, I listened yeah. to that right before we recorded too. Yeah, and I, I mean, of course, it was a it was about Andrew Moore, and so I think he's just. That's kind of his sleeper pick. He's my sleeper pick for... And, I mean, Johns came out and said, we're going to see him in the majors at some point this year. And those guys tend to be pretty plugged in. I know Dreyer's talked about him. And it just seems like... uh, It sort of seems like a fait accompli that we're going to see him at some point this year. So that's something that is small that I think is maybe under the radar that might be something that impacts the 2017 season maybe in kind of a big way yeah that's potentially it come on luke oh yeah i was gonna say does the, uh, <laughs> i was gonna say does does, uh, does dealing alex jackson for uh rob whalen and, and max posey count i think that's kind of like a smaller move compared to other stuff that went on yeah i think what anything that has to do with the minor leagues is yeah yeah i mean but You'd say Wayland's close enough that if something bad happened, that he would probably make a couple starts, right? So it could even have like a, a current effect, right? A little bit, yeah. maybe. Yeah. If I change my voice a little bit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and Posey is really interesting too. I mean, Wayland I think is closer, but Posey is uh, Posey. If they can get his mechanics maybe a little bit ironed out could be really interesting. I mean, I don't know if we're talking about him purely as a reliever or if we're maybe looking at him as a starter. Do you know, Zach? I don't see him as a, I mean, maybe he profiles a little bit as a reliever, but he just, he seems like the potential be the next kind of Doug Fister guy. Hmm. The tall dude who isn't really like, dominating and striking people out but it's still is commanding the ball and, and having a 
an impact that way. Not flashy, but gets the job done. Maybe Lance Painter will teach him that cutter that uh, worked on with Paxton. Yeah, and, and maybe this is an issue that they had that they figured out with Paxton too, right? It's it's about arm angle and mm-hmm. repeatability for those big guys. That's mm-hmm. it's, it's not easy. That's uh, that's one of the things that Stoudemire brought up a couple of weeks ago on the Hot Stuff podcast when they were talking about their new uh, pitching summit that they started this year. One of the big focuses was know your body. Um, yes, so th- which I made your... some some bad jokes about. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, know Very your body. True. I mean, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean that's just, that's just one of the things I'm I'm sure the the organization has a focus on, especially for the younger guys. Um, just you know, know know what your body is doing when you're up there on the mound. So mm-hmm. maybe it's one of those things that they can they can do something with him like they did Paxton, like you said. <laughs> well, I think that that is a good place to wrap up this conversation. Uh, Thank you so much to those of you who submitted questions for us. And thank you to Zach for joining us. And thank you also to Luke for joining us and uh, for putting up with our sort of mean trick. I thought it was fun. You can pull a mean trick on me most days. I was about to say any day, and then I quit on that. I didn't think I wanted to (laughs) commit to that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you quit on that? Like you uh, quit on your basketball game? I didn't quit in my basketball game. Oh no! You just I was, very I'm good. a grinder. <laughs> I try hard. It's a real. Uh, What's that's really a fun is all. Whenever we're walking down, whenever we walk or drive down to the games, we'll be like, I'm like, I don't care who we're playing, I don't care how nice they are, I'm throwing in elbows. But then it never happens. I talk a really mean game. <laughs> and it really ends up happening. Well, you fit right in at Lookout Landing, then. You guys throw elbows at Lookout Landing? Oh, Zach throws elbows all the time. Verbal elbows. Do so you throw elbows <laughs> at his imaginary <laughs> cats? That's pretty spot on. That's right? why you can't have any real cats. <laughs> Listen, you don't come into the paint if you're not willing to eat an elbow. <laughs> they know that. All right, well, thank you so much listeners for putting up with us for another week and uh thank you to our guests and we will talk to you next time so remarkable these mammals are hell-bent on fashioning new gods so they can go on being godless animals Fun fact about my name is my dad thought it would be sweet if I was an NFL kicker so that if I came in with the game on the line, they'd play Thunderstruck by ACDC, but instead of chanting Thunder, the crowd would chant Munger. It'd be so awesome. <laughs> Munger! That's a really, that's a really uh, developed uh, fantasy. Munger. See, does this go, go now into the outtakes and that's the music we use but to head into it? <laughs> Well, now, yeah. now we have to. And then, we're kind of forced yeah, yeah. to Well, do no, that. there were other ones. He almost named me Hugh, so my name would be Hugh Munger. Hugh Munger? How great would that have been? <laughs>